Hey everyone, welcome to Indie Film Grit, a podcast about indie films and indie filmmakers. I am your host, Timothy Patrick, but you, you can call me Tim. In this episode, I have a great conversation with Corey Baker. He's an indie filmmaker, a writer, a director, and he's also a fellow podcaster. So make sure you check out his podcast, Oh the Anthem. We talk about his podcast, we talk about indie films, we talk about screenwriting. Let's get into it. And here we are with Corey Baker. Corey, how are you? Doing good. And yourself? I'm good, man. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Oh, absolutely. It's uh, it's exciting to have you here because you are what I would consider a true indie filmmaker. You write, you direct, you produce, you even act. Yeah. I mean, not not uh, first choice. But <laughs> yeah. Sometimes. But in your own projects, right? Yeah. I, I, it's weird. So uh, I grew up in Maryland where there's not really a huge film community. Um, there's definitely a lot of indie people doing their thing, uh, and there's TV shows that film there, but uh, there's no sustained living in film mm-hmm. unless you're in the union. Uh, or working so, for the government. Yeah, or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Crabbing. Um, <laughs> but I, I just I, I knew I wanted to do it, and then just said, you know, go for it. Like, what, what the hell is stopping you? So when did you make the move from Maryland uh, to, and it's Baltimore, right? Yeah. Yeah. From Baltimore to Los Angeles. Uh, just last year. Ah, so, fresh off the boat. Yeah, this is, uh, it's funny because I was writing today. Uh, today is exactly seven months since I moved in. So Wow. Um, and it's weird because it, it, I knew there was going to be a little bit of a time where it, you got you to gotta get adjusted, you got to meet people, you got to figure out how people want to see cover letters and apply to things, but, uh, things are getting a lot more consistent. It's, uh, getting to the point where I can pay my rent, but mm-hmm. I'm still worried that I might not next month. <laughs> so, oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> Welcome to Los Angeles. Yeah, I know. Now, uh, so a lot of the short films you made were before you came out. Yeah. Just cutting your teeth on it. Yeah. And, uh, so I, I had originally started with writing. Uh, I, was always a, a good writer throughout school and stuff like that. And I went through one of those particularly tough mid twenties breakups where you think your life is over and I needed some way to express myself. So I started writing and I thought, Oh, a screenplay might be the way to do it. Cause I've never tried that before. Uh, wrote the screenplay, loved it. And then kept saying to myself like, all right, well, you know, and now I'm going to have to turn this over to a director who's going to figure out how to do it. And then uh, the next girlfriend, I was just writing one day, just, you know, complaining about like, oh, nothing's going right. She's like, just do something, would you? Like, stop complaining. Like, write, just write right now. Write for the next hour. I'm going to leave. Like, just sit here and write. And whatever you write, that's good just advice. make it. I mean, I don't know if you, you're still together or you fell in love and had babies, but that's good advice. Yeah, it is. Especially good. from a girlfriend. Yeah. And, you know, it... it what I learned right then was uh, you can make a movie in these days, you can make a movie for literally no money if you want. And you can do it with things you already have. 
it doesn't take like you know obviously if you want to make something that looks like game of thrones you need money and people and crew and stuff like that but uh my first movie was about the guy looking out the window me playing the guy looking out a window and talking about things he's seen that's like a real easy movie that anybody could do i used a handy cam Recorded the Were you in over. a wheelchair and have binoculars? No. <laughs> I should have, though. I should have just ripped off from better filmmakers. That would have been the way to go. That's a lesson you learn later, I guess. Yeah. Um, but well, I like your style. I like how you said, you know what? I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm, I'm just going to dive in. Yeah. And I mean, that's what I tell people now. Like, there was a guy I saw at a party who was like, oh, man, film. I, I, I wish I could do that. I said, you can. Just, you got an iPhone. You got a android whatever just go out there and shoot things and then like if you don't like it then you don't have to show anybody but just do it like nothing's stopping you uh back when i was cutting my teeth it was on vhs cameras yeah in eighth grade like and you you talk about not being easy you know what i mean oh yeah if i wanted to slap some music on it i had to dump it all to another cassette tape on a, a different vcr while i'm feeding in the music kids today they have uh iMovie on, yeah. on their phone. Yeah, and it's it's ridiculous. I, and it shoots HD. I so the first thing I ever did that was like film related, I guess, was uh when I was twelve or thirteen or something like that, my parents had a, a VHS camcorder. Actually it wasn't even VHS, I think it was like the mini uh D V or whatever. Oh yeah, um, mini D V for yeah. sure. Me and our friends would just sort of like make these little short nothing whatever videos, mostly of us like playing basketball and stuff like that. But the there was a Nike commercial that was really big at that time where you would see just one person in the center of the frame and they'd be dribbling and then they'd throw the ball behind their back and it'd go off screen and then it would cut to another person, mm-hmm. center cut, who would receive the basketball and then start doing their moves. Sure. And we thought that was just the coolest thing we'd ever seen at the time. And we started making all of these versions of our own where we mm. were just like dribbling and then passing the ball off. But we didn't know anything about editing either. Sure. So it was all just like... That's how you learn. Doing in-camera, like, cut, and then get the next person in there. It's like, all right, we're going to record. Three, two, one, go. And then the ball comes in. And if there was a mistake, like, one rolled down the hill, and then we had it come back the other way. Like, just coming up with, like, however you could make this, like, a, a, a realistic piece. I've always liked camera tricks myself, trying to figure out how to do stuff. I'm, I'm real big on green screen. Yeah. I, I, I do a lot of that. I've, I got a... a a green screen, God, when we first started doing my podcast, which was like... You should mention the name of your podcast. Oh, uh, the Oh, the Anthem podcast. Is, oh, the Anthem. Yeah. And, and for people not from where you're from, <laughs> tell them what that refers to. So, uh, during the National Anthem, people in Baltimore will owe the Anthem. So, the second time it rolls around with Osake and That Star Spangled, uh, everybody just in unison, if it's a sporting event or, you know, even like uh, people used to do it in school... Uh, you would just go like, oh, all at the same time. Uh, so that's just sort of a local ode to, mm-hmm. it's it's a very communal thing. Like, uh, And you named your production company after that mm-hmm. too? Yeah. Oh, the Anthem Productions? Mm-hmm. Oh, nice. Yeah. People from Baltimore hear it and they go, you know, like, oh, that's so awesome. That's great. And then people from out of town hear it and they go like, oh, I don't get what that is. Mm-hmm. And then you explain it and they go like, oh, that's so cool. Yeah. So it, it works out. It, it's a nice uh, way of like telling a little... It makes you feel a little bit of the community that I grew up in, sort of, sure. like, where everyone knows everybody and it's six degrees of everything. I mean, as far as like making films go, like 
the best place to start is the thing that you really know or really love. Like there's nobody can tell that story better than you. Like Mm -hmm. whatever it is. So everyone's got a thing. Uh, I really like like old movie palaces and like, I know where like all the old movie palaces were by where I lived. And now you're talking like theaters. Yeah. 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 So like LA specifically, like just go down Broadway. There's so many, uh, even, you know, mid city and West side Mm -hmm. that are just vacant. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh my God, I wish I could buy that building. Oh God. I, I, I think about buying buildings all the time. Like that's constantly like, uh, the one that is going through my mind a lot recently here in LA is just the, uh, Pacific on Hollywood Boulevard. Oh yeah. Cause it's just this big, huge, empty nothing. And mm-hmm. I'm just like, God, I, wanna, I just want to like make it look like it did in 1940 yeah. and show cool movies in it and lose all of my money. <laughs> I mean, that's why uh, Westwood is kind of cool because they got that little town square area and there's the old school theaters are working. Yeah. And the great thing about those ones in Westwood, too, the the Fox and the Bruin, Mm -hmm. I think are the ones you're talking about. Yeah, the Bruin for sure. Is they've got the, uh, it's one movie company that bought all these. I think it's like Regency or something like that. Hmm. Uh, And they've bought, the Fox is different because that's way older, but they seem to have bought most of these like eighties, nineties theaters and sort of adapted them to be B run theaters. Mm-hmm. But I totally get a flashback. Like, uh, I went to the one in Pasadena, uh, and it totally brought me back to when I was 10 years old, sneaking right. in to see judge dread or something yeah. like that. Like in those <laughs> sort of CD, like suburban one or two screeners. Like, Oh, it was yeah. really cool. But you so, go for the sticky floors. Yeah, right? and the and the <laughs> same priced popcorn and sodas. But <laughs> uh, was there a movie when you were young that really grabbed you, and you're like, "Oh man, I gotta, I gotta be a part of that stuff." Bull Durham. Bull Durham. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I I loved Baseball. Bull Durham. Yeah, I loved Bull Durham from the first time I saw it. I was like completely fascinated by it, and uh, I never. What I, what I found so funny about it was that it was seemed to be in this time where all the movies I was seeing were like these sort of brainless action movies. Not that they're not enjoyable, but, you know, there's nothing particularly deep about some of them. Mm-hmm. And I saw Bull Durham and all these people arguing and talking and like it was a sports movie, but dialogue plays such, such a heavy part of it. I was just like, wow, this is so different than everything I've seen. And mm-hmm. it's funny and it's smart and... I still love it. I still watch it all the time. Yeah. I mean, Before, every baseball season, I watch Bull Durham. Really? For sure. Yeah. And then on the flip side, uh, you know, you got Charlie Sheen in... Uh, Major League? Major League. Yeah. yeah. You're not a fan. Oh, no. I, I love Major oh, League. Okay. Yeah. It's yeah. great. I, there, there's not a whole lot of baseball movies I don't like. Oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah. Uh, rookie of the Year? Yeah. That's yeah. Good. Isn't that when he broke his arm and somehow it got, like, amazing? Or what was that one? That was... I think it was it was either Rookie of the Year or The Rookie. I feel like it, oh, it had yeah, Rookie yeah. in it. Yeah, yeah. But I can't remember the exact name now. But it was like he... What he, about Bad News Bears? That's before your time. I like the original Bad News Bears. Yeah. I'm not a huge thing of the, the second one. Hmm. I mean... It, I didn't it, see it. Oh. I, I saw bits and pieces. It, it sort of had that, like, why are you doing this kind of feel to it. Mm-hmm. Not that I have any, like, judgment against people trying to remake movies. But mm-hmm. sometimes... You see the finished thing, and you're just like, "Well, we don't really need this." So, do you tend to? I know, I know you like baseball, um, but do your projects lean a certain way? Uh, the ones you write and direct are they more comedy, more uh, sports? 
I I haven't actually done a sports movie. Uh, I think because I I just sort of want to like save that for a time where I can really do it proper, you mm-hmm. know. Because uh, if I were to make a sports movie right now, it'd just be you know like beer league softball or something right. like that, which could I be awesome. Yeah, but I wouldn't have like the access to Dodger Stadium or something mm-hmm. like that, which is what I'd really want to be able to do a baseball movie about. I I always like the the line between drama and comedy. Oh yeah. Like, uh, comedy in itself, like it's a lot of work. Um, yeah, it's tough. I mean, you're firing off jokes pretty much nonstop. Right. But I like the uh, the moments where you know you sort of get two people talking about something serious, and then there's an aside mm-hmm. or something to break the tension, or mm-hmm. you know, why not take the worst moment that you have and try and make something good of it, mm-hmm. like. Even if it's a cautionary tale, like, you know, don't sleep with a stripper or something like that. Just <laughs> It's for the kids. <laughs> <laughs> Since you do so many things, you know, sound, direct, um, and it sounds like most importantly, writing is the first thing you do. Um, do you have any advice uh, for the young filmmaker out there who's staring at that blank page? The first mistake I made is that I figured that uh, two people talking would be interesting because it was interesting to me. And then you realize that you put it up on camera and it's not as interesting as it reads on the page. Unless you're so, Mamet or Tarantino. Yeah, but even even they have sort of things that are happening that, that draw your attention away from just the talking. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like in, even like the most uh, prolific of the talkers, like Sorkin, like everyone's just walking <laughs> happens because they got to be doing something there's motion yeah yeah, they can't just sit there um what i found out what i started asking myself at a point was what would make this more uncomfortable or what would make this more interesting so uh in the feature it starts with a breakup uh boyfriend girlfriend breakup and originally it just sort of happened at a restaurant they were like talking it felt a little uncomfortable afterwards they broke up uh, more recently, I've said to myself, that's not interesting enough. So now they're at a ball game and he says like, Oh, come on, let's meet our meet friends over at the rooftop bar. Mm-hmm. And she comes over and then she sees the mascot and the camera and somebody there with like the, like, you know, like they're getting married. Mm-hmm. And then it's just like, all right, well now it's decision time. Like, right. am I going to marry the, it's like, I, you up the if, pressure. If you told me, if if you make me decide right now whether or not I'm going to marry you, I don't think we should be together. Mm-hmm. And that's like the thought process that goes through her head. Mm-hmm. And the breakup happens. And then it finds out that that whole thing was for somebody else. This is just a coincidence. Yeah. But it's the catalytic moment where it's just like... Oh, sure. I, If I'm not going to marry him, why am I going to continue being with him? Like, we now, should I just wonder split how, now. Yeah, I mean, that's a great uh, little device you're using. I, I wonder how... Um, you could apply that to indie filmmakers out there that can't film at a ball game. How would you up that? Would it be a restaurant, maybe with more people, uh, or you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, because you that is big a ball yeah. game. Yeah. Well, I mean the 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 good part about it was that you wouldn't have to necessarily film like the you could just show two people in seats. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I feel like if you're industrious enough and you more than anything, go and visit somebody in their office. Uh, I've gotten so many, so many locations just by going to mm-hmm. a building and saying, "Like, is the manager around?" 
and be like, hey, I'm a filmmaker. I was just wondering if I could shoot here. Mm-hmm. They just, they're go like, oh, well, yeah, sure. But if you email, they'll send it up the chain to corporate yeah. or lawyers and then it just becomes a big deal. So, you know, somewhere, wherever you live, there's a minor league ballpark somewhere. So mm-hmm. if you wanted to film in a minor league ballpark, just go there and yeah. say like, is the guy who does operations here, is the general manager here? And just talk to them say like, hey, here's what's up. I'm not going to be in the way. I understand if I have to pay a little something for it, but you know, I'm doing an indie thing. I hope you can be respectful of the fact that I don't have a lot. There's this great film, uh, Narc. I don't know if you've seen it. It's a uh, kind of a, a cop drama film. Uh, the cops are driving around uh, the hood, and they're just waving people down and showing them a picture of a missing person. And they're like, "Have you seen this guy? Have you seen this guy?" And then it's almost a montage and it must be uh five six eight different people mm. filmmaker said no nah, we didn't get a single release we wanted a actual reaction from yeah. these people so there is a fine line you can kind of there's some wiggle room well so here's the thing uh, I, the the short i just wrote mm-hmm. uh i wrote a scene into it uh so this will be interesting I wrote a scene into it. I that hope so. I knew I wouldn't be able to get a permit for, or more importantly, wouldn't be able to afford a par- mm-hmm. permit for. Uh, and the basis of the scene is that somebody, a failed actor who never really tried and just like partied and, you know, like wouldn't take any stock of his own character. I know that guy. Yeah. I think we all do. There's many <laughs> of them. He's, he's finally reached the end. He doesn't have the money to continue. Uh, and he's got to move back to, I think I wrote him from Raleigh. Uh, he's got to move back to North Carolina and he wants to make one last visit to the Hollywood sign and tell it what up, you know, be like, you know, like you never believed in me, you inanimate sign and stuff like that. Never will I be able to get Lake Hollywood park, uh, Hollywood sign, any of this stuff. If I just, you know, go to permit for it, like, mm-hmm. it it'll just be outrageously expensive not worth it for a little short that's not going to make its money back. Uh, so how do you get around it? Well, uh, I'm having the Hollywood sign censored in it and making it like he's he doesn't any anybody who doesn't care about him is going to be blacked out. So you can film his Bart in front of a green screen, go up to Lake Hollywood Park, which is a regular DSLR, act like a tourist, shoot five minutes of people walking around acting like they're ignoring you, which is what will happen. And then just black bar all their faces. Mm -hmm. And then you got the location that you want without anybody noticing that you did it. And you just move along. Like I'll slap in my two cents on that because that's a great way to, that's a creative way to do it. Yeah. Nowadays with all the royalty free uh, video clips, you could shoot at the Hollywood sign as long as you're not showing the whole thing Mm -hmm. and then cut to a drone shot. Which you paid for. Yeah. And you're fine. Yeah. Before, like, you know, and just as in, like, you know, from the time we were born and prior, like, you know, you there were there were gatekeepers. There were people who said, you know, like, no, you're not good enough to direct a film yet. Mm-hmm. You're not, you know, like, we don't take unsolicited scripts. We don't, we don't want to make this. Like, all right, screw it. Do it. Do it <laughs> just yourself. do it. Like, what, what, there's literally nothing stopping you. Like, you can, you can do... Uh, I, I've seen like these incredible sci-fi shorts that look like they have hundreds of thousands of dollars of CGI. Some of those fan films, whether it's Star Wars or Power Rangers or even Wonder Woman, 
Some of those fan films are amazing. Yeah, and you'll you'll like click on the next video where they're inter they're you know like basically doing like a behind the scenes like talking about how they did it. Just like yeah, this scene took about twenty hours, but I just sat in front of the computer and did it. It's like no like I had to pay somebody. I had mm-hmm. to get some permission from any. You just make it like mm-hmm. if you it, and with the internet. Any kind of knowledge that you need is readily available somewhere. You just have to ask the right follow-up questions and know what you're looking for. You got to be hungry for knowledge as well. You got to be willing to put that in. Um, I mean, that actor you're talking about who's swearing at the Hollywood sign, guess what? He didn't, he wasn't hungry for knowledge. No. He was just expecting it to happen. Yeah. And that's, that's that's a lot of people. A lot of people just say like, even if you're talented, sometimes that's the worst. If you're mm. if you're naturally talented and you're like, well, it's going to happen eventually, because I'm t- no, like, number one, they don't have any obligation to use talented people. We all would like talented people to be at the front, that's but true. we're also living in a world of Kim Kardashian. Mm-hmm. So that's a B. People who work really hard are the ones who who get ahead. And and if you do it your way, if you do it your way from the beginning, like a Tarantino or a Rodriguez. Eventually, when you get the keys to the kingdom, you don't have to answer to anybody. Yeah, you know. Though there still are, you know, I I find it funny. I I, I was a, uh, I think it was an interview that Woody Allen did, uh, right before, right after he signed that deal with Amazon, hmm. uh, for the series and a couple movies and stuff like that. He said nobody funds my movies. Like I I go around, I ask rich people for money, they say no. Like. And you say to yourself, what does Woody Allen have to prove at this right. point? Like, what is Scorsese the yeah, same thing? He's been trying to make the same movie for twenty yeah. years. Like, the, yeah, that last one the, about the missionaries. Yeah, like what? What do? What do they have to do? But I mean, it's it, it's just a weird metric of you know, like how much money you think something's going to make, and uh, I I don't know. I'd rather I'd rather just. It's like when you feel really confident about something. And you you go all in. You're just like, no, I'm absolutely right about this. I'm sure that the year that this happened was 1996. Mm-hmm. And everyone's like, no, no, you're crazy. I'm like, no, I know it. I know yeah. it. Absolutely. 100%. Go for it. Like, that should be the... You should have written a script, looked at it, and gone like, why is this not a movie yet? Mm-hmm. And then every single day, like, feast and hunger for whatever you can to, to make it more of a possibility. And guess what? If you're wrong... You learned a lot. Yeah. You oh, learned God. a lot. Oh, I, I learned mean, I learned so much on terrible films. Yeah. I've made terrible films. You have to. Yeah. Nobody that makes great films didn't make terrible films. Oh yeah. You have to. Yeah. That's that's part of the process. You know, that's what I like, you know, the cut of your jib because you're saying go do it. Yeah. You know? We are truly a, a society of makers now. And I, it's gonna start blowing people's minds, the amount of content being produced by kids. Like I said, when I was making stuff at 15, 16, 17, it was crap, but it made me happy. And you start to learn. You start to figure out. So I I had this thing, like I I just recently redid my reel. Mm -hmm. And uh, because there wasn't a deadline, because there wasn't anybody like banging down my door asking me where my new reel was, it took forever. Mm -hmm. I just edited a little bit here and there whenever I felt the inclination to do so. Uh, and then I just sit on it and not do anything. And every the, once in a while, I'd see something that said like, you know, like send your reel. And I'm like, well, I guess I'm not doing that. But eventually like, I'm just like, why, why the hell am I waiting? Just do it. Like get it out there. 
And if people hate it, then you can pull it down or you can yeah. say it was a joke or whatever. Like, right. You know, it's it's not that nothing lives forever. Like, you got they, nothing to lose, yeah. too, because back in the day, if I wanted to show my work, I'd have to go to my buddy's house and pop it into VCR. Right. Nowadays, throw it up on YouTube. If you get two views, you know it sucks. If it blows up, you're on to something. But the audience is there. But And that's the thing. The connection is always... Because regardless of what point in the process you're in, it's about a connection. Uh, your vision and the audience. But there's also a time where you're going to have to convince an actor to be in the thing. Like, oh, I really want this guy to be mm -hmm. the lead in my movie. So I'm going to set up a meeting. I'm going to have lunch with him. Uh, we're going to talk about it. He's going to have read the script at that point, probably. And I'm going to no say... No sex involved. No hopefully. sex, yeah. It's just, you know, Danishes. <laughs> and then you you sit down, uh, and what they want to hear is you express the passion for the film that you're about to make. Because uh -huh. if you sit down there and go like, well, I think we can make a quick buck. Let's just do it. Like, nobody wants that. Nobody yeah. wants to be involved. Like, if you if you say, like, I know this story. My mother had breast cancer. This is a story about breast cancer. And nobody knows what it's like to be in that position until we put them there. And I want you to be the audience. I want I want the audience to feel like they're in your shoes the whole mm -hmm. time. And I think we can tell a really valuable story and I'd like you to be a part. Like that sort of thing just hits people. Yeah. If you if motivation, you drive, yeah, if you like why are you doing it? It's all about connection to people. If you can if you can connect with everybody along the steps, then you'll be fine. Like and people are gonna hate things regardless. So uh if you one last little bit of uh advice to anybody out there wanting to make indie films, if you got anything. I don't know, I may have uh, you know, drained the tap. No, I, I I'd say that uh I was interesting because I took many different paths. Like I started writing, I thought that was gonna be it. And then you do a little bit extra, you do a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and you're like, oh, God, I love this all. Mm -hmm. So just because you are sitting there thinking like, well, I can't write a script. Well, maybe you can do CGI. You know, you don't know it. Just go like download a program. There's free ones available. Make something. Try stuff. Yeah. You don't, and nothing has to be shown. That's the, that's the, yeah. the glory of this. Like if you want to write a script and you write a script and it's terrible and you think everyone's going to laugh at you if you show it at them, well, don't show it to people. Like now, you know, now, you know, you can't do that. Yeah. Or, or show it to people and listen to them telling you how crappy it is. Yeah. And you'll learn from it. Or just if you if you read it and you're just like, God, this is terrible, mm -hmm. fix it. Yeah. Like, or burn it. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, man. Well, thanks, man. Thanks for coming on. Uh, can we plug your website and whatnot, how people can find you? Yeah. Um, my website is CoreyBakerFilmmaker.com. Uh, on Facebook, Corey Baker Film. And then uh, everything else, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, all is Legend CB5. Legend CB5. Yeah. Well, man, once again, uh, thanks for coming. No, and, uh, you know, I'm going to listen to your podcast now that I found it. Oh, the Anthem podcast. It's a great show on iTunes. Thank you very much. Yeah, man. And uh, keep up the good work, man. Thank you. I, keep, I appreciate it. Keep doing it. it. And I, I, I hope for nothing but good things from this podcast going forward. There you go. I'm, yeah. I'm with you on that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, dude. Take uh, care. Thank you so much. And uh, we'll be talking. Yeah, absolutely. Well, 
that's that. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Indie Film Grit podcast, and I hope you're enjoying all of our episodes. Feel free to go to our website, IndieFilmGrit.com, check out the show notes. Follow us on Twitter, at IndieFilmGrit, and subscribe to us on iTunes. Yeah, that's a good idea. I should really wrap this up, but before I go, let me ask you something. Do you have the courage, the passion, and the perseverance to make indie films? Do you have enough indie film grit?